everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. We are the Hidden Gems podcast and today we are featuring the hidden gems of a new streaming service that we're going to talk about. It's called the Peacock Service. <laughs> Peacock TV and I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Hey Rachel, it is so good to be here as always and uh, CBS, if you just so happen to listen to this episode of our fair podcast, uh, I suggest that the name for your streaming service be Eyeball. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, if, if we're going with literal names based off of your most recognizable logo, then like Eyeball is literally gift wrapped for you. You're welcome. Yeah. 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 I think that Disney missed out on, on just the mouse, mouse network instead of Disney Plus, I think. Or, or Mouse Ears. <laughs> Serious. Yeah, I mean, what were they thinking? Yes, today we're talking about the Peacock Network, which is a ridiculous name. <laughs> but I mean, I guess when you think about it, I mean, I guess they could just call it NBC Plus. Or like NBC Now or On Demand or something yeah, like that. Something sensible. But they went creative. Let's give them bonus points. Let's not be critical. Let's uh, give an old tip of the cap to the uh, to the brain trust over at uh, over at NBC Universal That's for right. uh, for having the foresight to uh, name name it after their their infamous mascot. Yes, and so I thought this would be fun to kind of talk about this new network. They because I noticed that it it they had the preview going up uh for it on xfinity if you are an xfinity comcast member you get access to the peacock premium for free it's included so that's pretty exciting which is uh so i get it for free and you can watch it right now if you aren't a member then you have to pay for the premium there is a free version but the uh, the premium version with ads is twenty nine ninety nine a year, and uh, and the ad free version seventy nine ninety nine. So pretty cheap for a streaming service. Uh, and like I said, most uh, uh, most people that are a lot of people will be getting it free uh with uh with their xfinity comcast service and i feel kind of bad for them because they had this huge plan for the rollout with that was all going to be connected with the olympics that they were gonna you could watch the opening and closing ceremonies early you could uh you could have all this enhanced access and and uh so their their rollout was was pretty uh uh, was going to be, I think, more spectacular than it ended up being. So, I, I you know, just like everything in 2020, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, not as snazzy as they wanted it to be. I don't think. Yeah, I think the motto for this year would be "Hurry up and wait." <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and also, their big properties is obviously for NBC is. The Office and uh, and Parks and Rec. Both of those will be available later uh, after they leave Netflix. Parks and Rec will be available in October, and uh, and The Office will be available in 2021 January. 
so people will be able to look forward to that of course some some nbc shows like friends uh is available on hbo max so it's whichever uh you know you gotta i don't know these streaming services and <laughs> uh, nobody has everything but everybody has something if any one of you are able to tell me which uh where the rights to which properties go where you are lying <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> like i said everybody uh nobody has everything everybody has something um For real. <laughs> and uh this uh this service is primarily a television service that's where it kind of stands out they have ton of shows uh including uh 30 rock uh friday night lights downton abbey uh everybody loves raymond uh keeping up with the kardashians which i'm sure they will be a top for you top favorite uh <laughs> uh law and order yeah yeah these quality shows like the office and i'm over here twiddling my thumbs like oh boy i hope keeping up with the kardashians is on there just uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm with you there i was psych uh sarah live uh top chef uh a, a whole bunch of television shows that will be available on the peacock network and uh but there are movies as well and so we thought it would be fun to talk about some of the movies that you can watch on the peacock network and as our thing is is to dive a little bit deeper and not just talk about the obvious ones like jurassic park which one of my favorite movies will be available on peacock network uh to dig a little deeper and uh so it's going to be a lot of fun. What is your first choice? So my first choice uh, is from 2002, and it is a movie called Big Fat Liar. Uh, this was directed by Sean Levy, who was primarily known as a producer. Uh, he has re most recently produced stuff like Stranger Things, so he's still keeping busy. Uh, but the movie starred Frankie Muniz, Amanda Bynes and Paul Giamatti in a rare comedic role. Uh, Frankie Munez plays a, a young boy who writes an original story, but his story gets stolen from him by a rather ruthless producer uh, played by Paul Giamatti. And uh, Giamatti passes the story off as his own. And so the boy's like, he stole it from me. So he and his friend played by Amanda Bynes go out to LA to, uh, to cut, to confront him. Uh, this is a movie I watched a lot as a kid. And so, and, and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it doesn't hold up in certain areas, but I still find it very funny. Uh, yeah. This was around the time when Frankie Muniz was like one of the biggest TV stars going. He was starring in a show, one of my personal favorite uh, TV shows, Malcolm in the Middle, which was watched by like millions of people. And this was around the peak of its run. It started in 2000 and around 2002, it, it was like, it put the Fox network on the map. Like it, it was so good. They put it after the Simpsons and from all the research I've done, that was, that was a pretty big deal. But, uh, but as far as big fat liar goes, it's, 
it's just a really funny movie. There's some silly stuff in there, but with a movie called Big Fat Liar, starring Frankie Muniz, Amanda Bynes, and Paul Giamatti before he would become the great actor that we know today, is like, you really can't expect all that much. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the silly stuff in there involves Paul Giamatti being turned blue with orange hair, which is a sight that I never thought I would see, but there you go. Uh, and just, and one of my favorite scenes where where Giamatti is going to a, to a video shoot and his limo driver's like, oh, hey, I don't, I'm not sure if you remember me, but you fired me. And, and Giamatti's like, oh, I did? Super! And I'm just like, wow, that's just... <laughs> so dark but um but big fat liar is definitely underrated uh it's it's a ridiculous premise and it is silly but it is definitely uh, it's definitely worth it i think it's that ridiculous to be honest like there's a few little things and everything like comes together in in a you know like perfect way that's probably wouldn't happen in 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 a real in real life but i'd say it's just like heightened reality i don't think it's like totally absurd like most of the stuff like feels somewhat believable that they could do and uh at least to me and i agree with you i think it is really funny and i especially love jaleel white (laughs) oh yeah good old work yeah and he's hilarious about having to act with this chicken. It's like, the chicken's not giving me anything. <laughs> hey, if that was a Spike Jones music video, everyone would be praising it to the high heaven. But I yeah. And it's a really funny movie. And Amanda Bynes is, is really good in it. Her, her uh, just her comic timing, uh, particularly when she, she does the uh, prank call on the, uh, the secretary that loves the dogs loves dogs <laughs> she's like i don't know that that that's really funny and uh and i don't i mean yeah i love this movie i think this movie's hilarious and uh, one that you could watch with the whole family everyone's gonna laugh it has a nice message uh, and uh you if you have teenagers they'll laugh little kids they'll laugh the whole family will laugh and uh and so yeah it's it's really fun and i mean and also hilarious music cues <laughs> yeah i will uh, i will whenever i hear the song hungry like the wolf yeah ran i will never yeah. not think of paul giamatti about to dive into his blue swimming pool yeah. and look like the fourth member of the blue man group yeah. because comedic gold hashtag (laughs) and that blue song you know that i'm blue i'm blue (laughs) hilarious and so yeah i mean i think it's a uh, a this uh, this generation's uh home alone i i really do i mean maybe not quite i mean i love home alone but it's that same kind of feel of the kids being sort of smarter than everybody else and coming up with sort of booby traps for lack of a better word to to get the uh to get the get the bad guys and it's uh so it's a i think a similar feel to it and so yeah i i'm totally with you on big fat liar i think it's great and actually i have a review i did it for family movie nights uh i think last year so there's a review on my channel if people want to hear more of my thoughts on the film but yeah, yeah. it's a good pick very funny 
quick side note, I actually was watching your uh, review for The Way Way Back, which is just a fantastic movie. And oh, so, good. yeah, yeah, subscribe to this woman. You know, she, she, <laughs> you. she needs her numbers up. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was really fun one. That's uh, to, to watch, to rewatch again last week because it's, it's a really good movie. It's very underrated, I think. Uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, all right. Well, my first choice, they have a whole Alfred Hitchcock section, which is really awesome. And, I like this surface already. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one, if we're talking hidden gems, because obviously you've got your your big names of Hitchcock, your psychos and your vertigos and your things like that. But for me, a hidden gem of Hitchcock is the movie Shadow of a Doubt. And this movie doesn't get talked about much, I feel like, as far as his classics. But this is uh, from 1943, and it is really chilling. It's a uh, about this girl, uh, played by Teresa Wright, who uh, is actually named after her uncle. And her, she, I think it's um, uh, Charlene or something like that, her uncle Charlie. And, uh, and so she, but she goes by the name Charlie. And so she adores this uncle. And he, surprise, comes to visit, played by Joseph Cotton. And there's been this serial killer uh, that's on, that's been on the loose, that uh, basically like murders these old women and uh, takes their jewelry and their other stuff. And uh, as her uncle, this beloved uncle that she's literally named after, as, uh, as he's there visiting, she starts to slowly realize that maybe her uncle might be this murderer guy. And of course that's like devastating and chilling and, and uh, it, it's really quite good. And I feel like it doesn't get, it never gets talked about as a great Hitchcock film. Uh, but uh, it's just, especially when you realize how, how close they are and so how chilling that revelation would be to realize that like literally the person you're named after might be a serial killer. Yeah. I can, I can just imagine that it's like, it's, it, it's just like, like, Oh, the guy that you're named after, he just so happens to kill women. <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh-uh, like when was this ever brought up? It's right. Like, <laughs> and this is, this is actually one of the few Hitchcock movies that I haven't seen. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I don't know how, it's just, I guess it's one of those that always just slipped through the cracks. But, it's a um, hidden gem. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I think that Joseph Cotton is really good in, uh, in this role. And he, I think works better than if they had cast like a, I don't know, like a Cary Grant or somebody like that, which is just too like suave and too, uh, I don't know. It just wouldn't have worked. I think he's a, he's really a good casting for this role. And uh, so, yeah, I think people should give it a shot. I think I think people would really like it. It I think it holds up quite well. Yeah, the uh, the main star in there, Teresa Wright, she. Uh, she would actually be in a few movies that many, many people have heard of. Uh, movies like The Best Years of Our Lives, which is an upcoming installment on my series, The AFI Project. Hashtag so shameless good. plug. Uh, 
she was also in an underrated movie called Somewhere in Time, starring uh, starring Christopher Reeves. Oh, she was uh, in that? I didn't know that. She was uh, Laura Roberts. Or, yeah, she was Laura Roberts. Yeah. Uh, she was in an underseen Francis Ford Coppola movie called The Rainmaker, starring a very young Matt Damon, as well as uh, yeah. John Voight and Danny DeVito. So, yeah, Teresa Wright got a lot of... Uh, got a lot of work in her day cool good uh yeah she's and she's good in this i mean she's she's really young in in, in this and uh so but she's she's good and it's, the whole cast is good and uh it's shot in beautiful black and white and uh i definitely i think people would like it, it kind of reminds me i would put this with strangers on a train as far as hitchcock like the more sort of quiet, subtle, but very scary uh, thrillers that he did. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So what is your second choice? So my second choice is from the beautiful people at Artman Studios, and it is called Chicken Run. Uh, this is one of my favorite animated movies. I saw it like when I was super young, I've seen it a hundred times since then. And just, it's one of those movies that doesn't get old to me. Uh, it's about, well, it's about some chickens who, uh, who realize that they're going to probably be, they're probably going to be turned into chicken pot pies if they don't escape. So they, along with the help of a seemingly chicken capable of flight named Rocky played by, Play, voiced by Mel Gibson, uh, they build basically an airplane to get themselves out. And uh, Ardman is just a studio that no one talks about, and I think everybody should. Or it's like, it's kind of like Leica, like a certain group of people know about them, but no matter what they put out, there's always like a, there's like a ceiling on them, which is very, yeah. very sad. But Chicken Run may be one of their best movies, at least of their non-Wallace and Gromit work, which they're probably their mo they're most known for. Uh, like I said, Mel Gibson is really funny in this movie as well. He makes a uh, he makes a joke about you know he makes a joke about his tail, which I won't ruin. You'll just have to uh, you'll just have to watch the movie and check it out because <laughs> it, it's really really funny. Uh, it just, it it also has two really good villains in there, and uh, Mr. Tweety and Mrs. Tweety, and I love how Mrs. Tweety's like, Mr. Tweety, like this super <laughs> condescending voice, and, yeah. and Mr. Tweety is like, is like, it's all in your head, 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 and it's like, like when he is completely in the right about how, you know, about how the the chickens are are staging an uprising it's just he's the only one that can see it but chicken run is of course a uh, is a claymation film and i just i love claymation to death and i'm sure rachel you do as well so it's like like i said there's a ceiling there but if you have not seen chicken run like do yourself a favor and watch it because it's really good I completely agree. I absolutely love Chicken Run. I love Ardman. They have very few misses for me. Uh, I I love uh, what they do. I just think they have such great uh, comedy and 
uh, I I love Chicken Run uh, mostly for the side characters even more than the main characters. I mean, I love a uh, I don't want to be a pie, <laughs> <laughs> and I love all the jokes with her knitting. That <laughs> like at one point that she's knitting a a, a, a hangman's noose. <laughs> Oh and, yeah, I, rem- yeah, I remember knitting, that. Knitting. That was that was surprisingly dark. <laughs> yeah, but funny. Uh, the the mice are funny uh, with their scheming. Uh, all the all the other of the chickens are are funny. I think of this a lot around the fall for some reasons when I think of watching Chicken Run. I, I don't know if it's just because it's sort of my turkey movie, my Thanksgiving movie even though they're chickens <laughs> i sub it in i mean they're both flightless, they're both flightless birds who are made yeah. of white meat so it's right. like so it works it works and i would say mrs tweety is very scary uh, she oh yeah <laughs> she's on when she's hanging and she's got that axe and she's like ah! i think she's pretty scary and i also really love the whole sequence when they're on the uh, the assembly line and that it's just a really fun action sequence with uh with them and uh, so yeah i love love chicken run and i'm really excited for the sequel i think it's gonna be fun yeah one uh one more note before we move on uh d- Mrs. Tweedy may have like, like one of the more satisfying. Uh, I don't want to say villain deaths, but like, like villain uh, defeats, defeats in, yeah. in a movie I've seen where she's like she's swinging around the axe, and you think that she finally gets Ginger, but Ginger is like up, uh, and there's a oh. fake out, and there's like yeah. the line is cut, and she just falls to earth, and you're like, yes, oh my god, and it's like <laughs> it's the most cathartic thing, like. When when I was like seven years old, my little heart was all a flutter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, all right, well, very good. My second choice is a documentary. It's called "I Am Big Bird," and it is about Big Bird as a character, but also Carol Spinney, the man who was the puppeteer behind Big Bird for uh for many many years he recently passed away uh but this documentary was uh, made in i think 2014 and uh about his life playing big bird and he's not only just like an seems like an awesome person but it's fascinating to see the cultural evolution of big bird and his impact as a character because really for many many years probably the first 20 or more years of sesame street big bird was the iconic character of sesame street and then elmo kind of took over uh, in the last probably 20 years (laughs) and uh and so uh and we 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 kind of forget how important big bird was and uh and it's really interesting to hear about how the puppet worked and how he basically has to have had to hold his hand up to act to operate the the top part of the puppet uh the whole time and if you think about how how hard that would be to like if you hold your arm up over your head 
like it's maybe easy for the first minute but then it starts to hurt pretty quickly and you want to put it down and you think and he's not only doing that but operating the the puppet and thinking about his lines and thinking about all the, i mean it's pretty impressive what he was able to do and i love i've always loved big bird so i i really love learning about uh, him and his life and his he was married to his wife for a long time they had a long lovely marriage and so yeah it's a really cool uh cool documentary it's kind of like this uh it i was in latin club in high school and we would play this and we would have this latin club meeting and we would have games and one of the games was called survivor where you were supposed to hold up a gallon water jug for as long as you can just like yeah. with your arms straight out like when you were describing how Carol Spinney would hold up the puppet, you know, with your right arm, like in the air, like for that, for a long period of time, I'm like, that's like survivor, but horizontal instead of vertical. Right. But uh, I, yeah. I will, I will be, I will admit I'm, I've like Sesame Street's kind of like on like the outer limits of my knowledge. I don't hate them. It's just, I haven't, I haven't seen too much of them, but mm -hmm. uh, you've won me. I like, I love these like documentary kind of things. And I just, I see here that Jim Henson uh, is, has footage in here and Frank mm -hmm. Oz is in here too. Uh, I mean, not everybody grew up with Sesame Street, uh, but most of us at least watched it some. And uh, I really enjoy even the Big Bird movie, The uh, Fall of That Bird. Uh, there's a, it's pretty weird and funny and uh so and he also voiced oscar so oscar the grouch so <laughs> uh so you get to uh end the puppetry for oscar so you get to hear about that as well well that's certainly uh boy that's certainly a shift in tone it's like hi i'm big bird who's calling me what do <laughs> yeah. you want <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> So, yeah, if you have any just interest in pop culture, I think, even if you're not super Sesame Street person, um, I think you'd be interested in it. So, all right. Well, what's your second choice? So we are running far away from Sesame Street because my, uh, my next choice is Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Uh, this was directed by Guillermo del Toro. We all know who he is. Uh, recently won an Oscar for The Shape of Water. Uh, he's been doing a lot of good work recently. But I've been a uh, I've been a Del Toro fan before being a Del Toro fan was cool. And uh, one of the movies that won me over was Hellboy Two. Uh, it's the sequel to the original Hellboy, and I think it's Hellboy Two is one of the rare sequels that actually is better than the first one. I like both, but I think Hellboy Two does a lot better with expanding upon the the mythos of the world and of Hellboy as a person or a demon or maybe perhaps both. Uh, the movie features, of course, Hellboy and the fellow mutants of the BPRD, and they have to face a, uh, face a prince named Prince Nuwada. I think I got that name right. Who, uh, who looks upon the greed of man and is like, well, all right, I'm going, to, I'm going to rise up my elf armies and we're going to take over. And uh, 
there and like a lot of del toro movies there's some dark stuff in there like everything involving the troll market and a lot of great puppet work and practical effects but there's also a lot of there's also a lot of humor in there with everything from johann strauss a mechanical robot who is who is just super funny he's voiced by seth mcfarlane uh there's a lot of uh, a lot of quiet moments involving uh, Hellboy, who is of course played by Ron Perlman, and Liz Sherman, played by Selma Blair. Uh, Doug Jones in here is Ape Sapien. His story gets expanded upon. Uh, this movie is just it's just it's bet it's so good, and we should have gotten a Hellboy three with this cast, you know, but instead. We got the Hellboy starring David Harbour, which is just horrible and no one should talk about it, but I digress. Uh, Hellboy 2, it's good. Check it out. Yeah, I actually haven't seen this. I've seen the first one, but I haven't seen the second one. Uh, I don't even know why. I just haven't seen it. <laughs> so, so it sounds like a good movie. Uh, I, I, at first, I mean, it sounded like, I, I mean, I don't like anything with any kind of like exorcism or anything like involving demons or and so when i first heard about it i was like i don't know if that's for me but then i watched the first one and i realized it's not like that uh so i i really should get around to seeing the second one yeah the second one definitely deals a lot more with like fairies and trolls and elves and and such and such if you were looking for more of the devil stuff that was definitely the first one when rasputin was trying to turn Hellboy into more of like the son of the devil that he actually mm-hmm. is. But Hellboy 2 is definitely more along the lines of the fantastical, you know, the elves and the fairies and the trolls mm-hmm. and the goblins and and more of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it looks it looks fun. It looks like something I I enjoy. So I uh I really need to catch up on it one of these days. So it's a good recommendation. Uh, it's always nice the superhero movies that people forget about. All right. Well, my third choice is a movie called Three Smart Girls. And this is a romantic comedy. It stars Deanna Durbin. And it's basically kind of like a parent trap kind of situation where these three uh, girls, they're basically like grown women. Deanna Durbin is the youngest. And she was basically, I think, Universal Studios' answer to, uh, to Judy Garland and uh she was she was a singer she had a beautiful voice her voice is more classical more of an opera edit kind of sound than judy's voice but she has, has a beautiful voice uh she was around the same age as judy she was promoted alongside judy and uh they, they it was her biggest competition obviously we know who won in that <laughs> in that war um <laughs> Judy won but nevertheless this is basically these these three girls their parents are divorced and their their father's about to marry this uh gold digger and so they scheme that they're going to try to get their parents back together and all along the way they each end up finding love in one form or another and it's really cute little romantic comedy and uh i think that uh the uh the it's fun to kind of see deanna durbin and uh 
see her. I, I used to have a whole Deanna Durbin collection uh, because I, you know, I just love that era of films and I love, uh, you know, I love Judy Garland. And so that's how I kind of found out about Deanna Durbin. So I grew to really love her as well. This was made in 1936. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to want to see a cute romantic comedy from the 1930s, I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I was I was hearing you talking about it. I'm like, wait, that sounds almost exactly like the parent trap. Like yeah. not trying to accuse the movie of plagiarism or anything. It just <laughs> Well, it, it was I mean, well before Parent Trap. This is Oh, really? So yeah, it's, this is 1936. Parent Trap was in the 50s. Oh, oh, yeah, that yeah. that makes sense. 1961. No, but th- this one this one sounds really good and it's uh kind of sounds like it sounds like that in like a movie called yours mine and ours not the recent Mm. one but the original one yeah yeah that one's really cute too i uh and i mean these girls are all older than uh than some of those uh than in the pear trap or in uh so they each have their own aside from deanna i can't remember if I mean, I think she has her own little teenage love, but these are all, the three girls are all older than The Parent Trap. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, Yours, Mine, and Ours, that was 1968. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of a 1960s sort of thing, I guess. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so this is 1936. And uh, yeah, you get some singing, a little bit of singing from Deanna Durbin. And uh the other girls are a lot of fun and, and by people I'm not super familiar with, but they're good is a uh, Barbara Reed, Nan Gray and Deanna Durbin are the three smart girls and they're cute. So uh, yeah, that's my choice. What's your next choice? So my next one is from 1997 and it is called liar liar. Uh, this is, another team up of Tom Shadyak and Jim Carrey. Uh, they both, they both work together on Ace Ventura Pet Detective. And I would say Liar Liar is just as funny as that movie was. And in some cases, maybe even better. Uh, Jim Carrey in this movie plays a lawyer who cannot lie for 24 hours. The comedy writes itself. I know. Uh, just, it, it's basically an excuse for Jim Carrey to just become just his beautiful manic self for 90 minutes. And it's just, it's kind of beautiful how he just completely is just, he just cuts loose. There is an entire scene in this movie where he is in a bathroom and he beats himself up. I promise you, it's a lot funnier in the movie. Like, like just with the context of the story, it is hysterical. But um, it also has a surprising amount of heart to it because uh, Jim Carrey's character is a compulsive liar. He frequently reneges on his son's and family's events, not because he wants to, but because he's kind of married to the job and he has to. But his son one night is like, on his birthday is like, I wish my father could not lie for 24 hours. And then he starts not lying for 24 hours. And that's just when the laughs start. And it just, it's such a 
it's such a funny movie and it also moves it like the movie starts and then the movie ends and you're like it's like just a breezy 90 minutes and it's just wow it's just quick and funny and it just it does its business and it and it gets out of there so yeah liar liar is really good stuff and i just now noticed that i have a bit of a motif with big fat liar and now liar liar so yeah it was not fresh on the mind uh i i think that's funny yes i like liar liar a lot as well i i actually much prefer it to ace ventura ace ventura yeah ace ventura has too much gross out humor for my taste i don't like all the animal you know the animal humor and the poop jokes and so it's not not for me and i mean i haven't seen either of those movies in a long time but i hated them in high school so i can't I, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I don't have any. Especially, uh, especially in the case of Ace Ventura: Pet Detective, I I do understand why people <laughs> wouldn't like it. I've I, I just watched it at the right time, and it just yeah. it's just it's a movie that always just brings a smile to my face, yeah. mostly because of Jim Carrey. Because both Ace Ventura and Liar Liar came out during a time when Jim Carrey was just the funniest man in america like he just could do no wrong he just he went from in living color which is just a massively underrated show and then he went through the two ace ventura movies mask liar liar like all the way up through you could argue eternal sunshine of the spotless mind it just the late 90s up and up until the early 2000s was like peak jim carrey and you could Mm -hmm. make make the argument that sorry about that, that he has never gotten back on that horse since. I think in 1993, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber were released in the same year, which is just, it's just crazy. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. Uh, all the way, I mean, The Truman Show, how great is that? That was 99, oh, I God, believe. Truman Show is just, it's really good. Like, yeah. it's just, it also, in a way, kind of, it kind of predicted our love of reality television for a while i know and and in that regard it's 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 why it holds up yeah and i agree and yeah i love liar liar i think liar liar is so funny i think uh, the just the whole conceit of not being able to fudge things at all is is really funny and something that uh we we all do from all the time like we all are kind of either holding things back or or just kind of not telling 100 percent. like i don't think any of us are like compulsive liars but we all you know there's just certain common uh common that's that's expected expected expectation like if somebody asks you how are you doing and you just say fine and yet you're actually really not like that's that's just a common kind of courtesy and uh but but with him like he has to just everything comes out and so it's just funny and uh and especially him trying to like hold it all in and is is hilarious and uh yeah i agree and also i love the whole uh the whole claw thing that he does the claw. <laughs> because that is like the best thing with kids that age they love it and so I I also love about the movie is that they make this guy out to be, he is a great father. He's just never there. Like he he gets in, he gets out. But when he's there, 
he's actually really good. And there's a moment in there when he's in the middle of his lying fit and he's arguing with his ex-wife and he's like, listen to me, I'm a bad father. And there's like this dramatic pause and you're just like, did he just openly admit that he's a bad father? And you're like, yes, he did. And then the ex-wife is like, you're not a bad father. You're just not there. And I'm like, wow, this is really, really good stuff. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. Good pick. All right. Yeah, talk about going all over the place. And this thing for my my next uh, pick wh- is one cool. more th- oh. one more scene, uh, because I know your next pick and uh, I won't spoil it, but one more <laughs> one more funny thing before we transition over there. One of the subtly funniest scenes in Liar Liar is when is when is when Jim Carrey's character is in this elevator. The elevator dings, he walks out, and then he just turns around and says, it was me! It's because it's implying that he farted in the uh, elevator. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we don't hear a noise, it's just, it's the best kind of comedy, because in your head, you put two and two together, and you're like, oh wow, he farted in the elevator. <laughs> anyway, yes. I'm, yeah. anyway, I'm sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, now, you're fine. Now, so. now let's get now let's yes. get talk about a different movie but we're talking about children of men and <laughs> <laughs> and children of men is a dy- dystopian film uh by alfonso Cuarón, the great alfonso Cuarón, uh that is about this world where all of the women have become infertile and uh so if everything is has just gone to pot and uh they've but they find uh, a woman who is pregnant and uh so they they have to transport her uh to a a safe place where she can have the baby because of course everybody wants her and everybody is after her and uh it stars julianne moore and clive owen and children for edge for and uh the 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 filmmaking by emmanuel lebeski is beautiful in this movie he has a lot of tracking one shots and uh and things like that that are really beautiful um but it's also obviously very uh metaphorical you think about uh our sometimes it feels like we're living in a dystopian already and (laughs) and um, and sort of the lessons that it has to teach about the value of human life and uh and how what we would go go uh, through to protect it and uh it's just a visually stunning film and uh you also michael kane in this uh in this sort of a more comedic uh light in the mood kind of comic relief kind of character and uh yeah it's really i'm mean, i'm not a huge dystopian person uh, it's usually a bit too cynical for me, but this one I think tries to it tries to be ho- hopeful and uh, have a hopeful sort of message in the end. Um, so yeah, I think it's really good. I think it's worth checking out for sure. Yeah, because I was going to say is like Rachel hates these kind of movies, and <laughs> so so when she actually recommends one, I know it's good. Yeah. Uh, the scene, the only real scene that I have. Uh, that I've ever seen, like, uh, gone out of my way to see is the, I want to say the opening, but it's a very long tracking shot where Clive Owen is, like, walking in the streets, and all of a sudden this Mm -hmm. bomb explodes, and he has to, 
get off the streets and it's like wow this Alfonso Cuaron guy is really good and of course he would he he directed Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban before this and would go on to direct Gravity which is a movie that I personally enjoyed but there's a lot of people who didn't like it I'm with you so yeah this so Alfonso Cuaron is definitely someone who I'd like to see more of but I don't think he's really done all that much lately um his what was his last movie his last movie was called roma that was on netflix that was on netflix yes and i loved that movie so i that was a brain fart on my end (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's an incredible director and has such versatility uh in the in the films that he makes which is really amazing i mean i love his a little princess i think it's one of the best family films ever made i absolutely love that film of course he has the harry potter movie children of men gravity roma uh that uh that uh, he has a movie coming out next year called everything or nada and uh he often works with emmanuel lebeski who's an incredible cinematographer he's the best uh that one of the best we have working today him and roger deakins i think without much argument people agree that emmanuel lebeski and Roger Deakins are the best <laughs> working I would, today. Um, I would definitely agree to that. Yeah. And uh, in Emmanuel Besky, he's done incredible work for Alfonso Cuaron and obviously for Inaritu and for Terrence Malick. Uh, so uh, some of the most beautiful films uh, of the last 30 years, including The Tree of Life and uh, 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 the revenant birdman the people love that the look of it um he did uh knight of cups for terrence malick uh a bunch of other films for him and I think he's, most he's just recently, amazing i th- he did the cinematography for birdman which i know you're not a big fan of but that movie does look wonderful yeah. i i love this i like the cinematography and i just don't particularly love the movie but it's yeah yeah he he's an incredible cinematographer and uh he's even done he did sleepy hollow for tim burton he's he's just the best so <laughs> oh wow that was something that i didn't know yeah so uh anyway if you want to see a good dystopian that is well acted and has some uh some hope to it i think uh children of men is a good choice so what's your last pick? So my last pick is from 2012, and it is called Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, this was directed by Wes Anderson. We all know who he is. Uh, directed movies like Rushmore and The Grand Budapest Hotel and The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. And he just, he he makes very, like, he he stands in a class by himself, like, He's kind of like Christopher Nolan in that when you see one of his movies, you know for a fact it's a Wes Anderson movie. And most, if not all of them, are really good. But Moonrise Kingdom may be my favorite. Uh, It tells a story about these two teens uh, who run away from their situations. The boy named Sam uh, is an orphan who is basically in the custody of, of the khaki scouts. They couldn't use cub or boy scouts if i remember correct 
So it was the Khaki Scouts, and they're in, led in this movie by Edward Norton in, in a fantastic performance from him. And the girl, Susie, uh, runs away from her home, uh, who, who her parents are Bill Murray and Tony Collette. And the two decide to run away together. And uh, this, is a, uh, this is a beautiful story told in a very uniquely, uh, in, a, in a uniquely Wes Anderson way. Uh, he, brings, he brings a very unique shooting style and a music to it that it just, it sets it apart. And you're rooting for these kids so much that you forget that there are these bigger names in there like Bruce Willis and Tony Collette and Edward Norton, but Tilda Swinton is in here. Bill Murray is in here. Uh, Jason Schwartzman is in here because I think there's an unwritten law that every Wes Anderson film needs to have Jason Schwartzman in there somewhere. And uh, it's just, it's just a beautiful movie. I've seen it a hundred times and there are some shots in here where I'm just like, I still have no idea how Wes Anderson was able to pull that off, but he did. And it's just, I just can't wait for his next movie, The French Dispatch, which is supposedly coming out in October, but we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. It just, Moonrise Kingdom, it's just, it's, it's really, really good. Yeah, I agree with you. I, uh, I like this as one of my favorite Wes Anderson films. I, I think that for the most part, I like Wes Anderson, um, but some of his comedies for me feel a little mean-spirited to me. Like they don't have quite enough whimsy to, to like, I've never been a huge fan of Rushmore. Um, I know people love it and it's beloved and I can see why, but for me, I just, the way they treat the teacher just makes me uncomfortable and it just feels a little mean. I don't know. I just don't like it. Uh, and so this, on the other hand, is way more, uh, I think, sweet and whimsical and gets that balance with his style and the type of comedy, I think, right. And, uh, and I think maybe because it is these small children that are the leads, uh, that it, it works and their little cute little relationship. And uh, yeah, the cast is great. It's funny. Uh, I definitely would recommend people check it out. Yeah, and uh, it's also it's also really really funny too because mm -hmm. there's a scene where where uh, one of the khaki scouts uh, something happens to him and they're trying to get him back to the mainland and Bill Murray's like, wait a minute, we're not going anywhere because my daughter has been kidnapped by one of these basal lunatics and Edward Norton is like, oh well, it's it's not all that bad and Bill Murray's just like, why can't you control your scouts and and Ed Norton's like. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying. And it's like, it's such a funny scene because yeah. Bill Murray is, is known to be a pretty comedic actor and Edward Norton is known to be a very serious actor and now the roles are reversed. And it's, it's, it's one of those contradictions that just makes me smile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really, really fun. And uh, so I definitely recommend it. Even if you're not sold on Wes Anderson, I think this might be one that you will enjoy. Uh, so my last choice is called uh, In Good Company. And this is a, a forgotten comedy that I enjoy. Uh, I love movies about work and about kind of why we work, whether it's uh, uh, something like The Apartment 
uh, or something that's more of a drama or something like Office Space that's more of a comedy. I just love that whole theme and what mot motivates us, what we'll sacrifice uh, in the sort of the name of success. I think that's really interesting. You know, I love nine to five. I love, uh, I loved the office when it was on, you know, things like that. And so in good company is right on brand as far as that kind of thing. It's about De Dennis Quaid's character. Uh, he's long running employee, uh, at, for this, uh, the, this company and, uh, surprise, surprise, new hotshot, just out of college kid gets hired to be his boss and, uh, and is played by Topher Grace, who I love. I, I just, I love Topher Grace so much and he's, you know, full of confidence, but he's super insecure in the same way. But at first he thinks, you know, he can tell Dennis Quaid, you know, like, what to do obviously is the boss so he can but you know he doesn't respect all those years of experience that he has but then he learns that real quick he needs to respect it and uh and uh scarlett johansson plays dennis quaid's daughter of course this was four so she was she could convincingly play a teenager at that time and uh and they Topher grace and her start end up starting a relationship which of course makes things even more complicated but uh but i i think it's really funny and i think it's insightful and uh so yeah if you like that kind of thing i think you'll really enjoy it yeah this definitely has a lot of people who i love like dennis quaid and He's he's really good in most of the things that he's in. Mm -hmm. uh, Topher Grace is someone who got a lot of heat, especially in the late 2000s, because he was Venom in Spider-Man 3, and uh, he wasn't very good. But looking through his IMDb, it's like he's slowly kind of redeeming himself because he's he was in Black Klansman. He was in, let's see, uh, he yeah. was... Uh, he was, he was so in, smart because he was in Black Klansman playing David Duke, which is so scary to like have see him playing such a horrible person. Uh, but then the, his next role, he was in Breakthrough with playing a pastor. I was, I was like, that was brilliant for brilliant choice. So he doesn't get typecast, you know, as this as a villain. It's kind of like I feel like he avoided what um, Sam Rockwell hasn't avoided, where it's just like he's played one racist you know southern racist after another and it's like he yeah can, it's he can do yeah, other and, parts <laughs> yeah and i was and i was going to say it was like he went from he went from playing david duke one of the most evil people in yeah. history to being just your standard like priest that you would see at any church who would yeah who would just who would grease up his hair and just be like <laughs> the lord is with you i'm like that man has range like you would yeah. not believe <laughs> like it was such a smart choice i think for his career uh so yeah he and he's good he was good in both i thought and uh he's uh he's good in this uh and he gets that right balance of sort of smugness but like enough insecurity that you are you like him that you're rooting for him and uh and that you like you know dennis quaid and uh it's it's a cute it's a it's a cute movie i think uh, i'd say it's it's a little underrated 
Yeah, I'll admit I had never heard of this movie until you uh, until you brought it up, and now I kind of want to watch it. So I'll definitely go out of my way to check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there we go. We did it. We we previewed Peacock. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> NBC, if you would like to hire us, please. Yes. <laughs> So let us know, are you excited for Peacock? Are you going to, if you have it with Xfinity, are you going to use it? Do you, are you going to pay for it? Uh, what do you think? I know it's another one to add to our long list of, of streaming services, but like I say, there's no excuse to be bored. I don't want to hear it. No, no, this is a boredom free <laughs> zone we're living in right now. No, but in, in all seriousness, uh, I think I may dabble in the free stuff. Uh, I don't think I, uh, I don't think I'd like to go past the paywall because NBC has some uh, doesn't really scream out like stuff other than like The Office and Parks and Rec. But mm-hmm. I own a lot of the seasons of The Office like on DVD, so I really am like if I if if I don't sign up for Peacock, then I'm not going to be able to watch it. I just I have the DVDs now. I mean, right. You know, hashtag buy physical media and all that good stuff. <laughs> but uh, but I I'm not against the service. It's just uh, it's There's like just so many that yeah. And uh, I'm already pretty satisfied with uh, Netflix and Amazon and Disney Plus and HBO to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how it does. It will be very interesting. So we'd love to hear your feedback. Put in the comment section or on Twitter. Uh, let us know what you think. And Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. And also on my YouTube channel, RyanCam Movie Reviews. Uh, the AFI project is continuing. Uh, today is a Monday, which means tomorrow my episode on Some Like It Hot will be dropping. Uh, so, and that was a lot of fun to record. And I'll also be continuing Nolan Month, which today is Monday, which means my episode on Memento just dropped. And, uh, and sometime also this week, I'll be dropping my video on Insomnia as well. So there's a lot of good stuff coming to the channel. It's, it's a really good time to uh, go over to the channel and hit subscribe because it's going to be a pretty bustling place. Yeah, you guys definitely do so. And you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews, all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Ron Tomatoes. So please check that out. I am continuing to post reviews. Even, uh, even in this uh, pandemic, I just posted my review on my uh, website of the new Steve Carell film, Irresistible. So if you're interested, check that out. And uh, thanks so much, Ryan. This is always so much fun. And we will talk again next week. And if you have any suggestions for services that you want us to take a look at uh, or, um, uh, you know, or movies you want us to talk about, just let us know. We'd love to hear. So thanks so much. And we'll talk, uh, we'll talk next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.